0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to All There Is. I'm your host, Kelly Bargabas, and this is the podcast where we witness the spectrum of human experience in order to connect, share, shift paradigms, inspire each other, and ultimately change our universe, change our world, change ourselves. And speaking of change, that's what this episode is all about. I have another podcast that I'm producing right now that comes from a business perspective and leadership, and it's called Here to Lead. And Here to Lead is a podcast for leaders, and it really is centered on practical advice and insight and tools that leaders can use to unleash the power in their leadership in order to execute strategy, affect change, and drive results. And recently I did an episode on change. I think it really is one of those universal themes that can be applied to our lives in many different ways, right? We all experience change. We're all going to experience change as individuals, in our families, as employees, as leaders, perhaps, in our organizations. So change is a constant, and I think you'll get some really good stuff out of this episode. Is there a more powerful, loaded, polarizing word in the English language than change? There are songs about change, quotes, memes, especially this time of year. There are books, there are 12-step methods, five-minute rules, four-hour bodies. We love to discuss, commiserate, and encourage change, and we love to find ways to trick ourselves into doing it. On the flip side, we also fear it, hate it, and most of the time avoid it at all costs. It is both inspiring and frightening at the same time. But change is part of the human condition. We know we can change. We know we should change. We know change is good for us, but it is so hard and uncomfortable and unpleasant. These conflicting beliefs create cognitive dissonance within us, which sounds fancy, but we're all familiar with this. Cognitive dissonance is the state of having inconsistent thoughts, beliefs, or attitudes, especially when it comes to behavior and attitude. It is going to the kitchen for a second chocolate chip cookie because the gooey chips covered in sweet soft dough is your favorite and you hardly ever have them in the house anymore. The whole time you're walking to the kitchen, you are saying to yourself, no, don't do it, Kelly. It is 300 calories. You have to weigh in tomorrow. You just gave up sugar for 30 days. Sugar is crack. Don't do it. And then you do it anyway. That is cognitive dissonance. It's wanting to eat the cookie and not wanting to eat the cookie because you know it's bad for you. Or it is lying on the couch all day watching Sex and the City reruns or college basketball when you promise someone that you live with you would fold the laundry or sweep the garage. It is trying to avoid change at all costs and at the same time knowing you can't or shouldn't. So what is change? Change is one of those words like leadership that has many different definitions depending on who you're talking to and the context around it. Like most challenging or difficult things in life, I like to spend some time figuring out what it means to me. How do I define change? And, you know, in the beginning of this podcast, the first couple of episodes, we spent some time talking about leadership and what it means to us and came up with our own definitions. And so perhaps we can do the same thing with change. To me, change is opportunity and potential. It's new beginnings and better versions. It's exciting and dangerous. It is also hard work, often associated with loss, and it's going to force me to give up something I like or love very much, or at the very least have grown very comfortable with. So you can see how, just by that definition, how cognitive dissonance is inherent in change. The official dictionary definition of change is that change is a noun, and it means to alter, to make different, to cause, to pass from one state to another, as to change the position, character, or appearance of a thing to change the countenance. Like most things that we've talked about in this podcast, this sounds really good on paper, but for me, I want to know more. Like, what does it look like day to day? What does it look like at work in the conference room? What does it look like when I'm trying to provide leadership to my team? So for me, I've come to realize that change is the intersection of discernment, discovery, and determination. The accountant in me likes to put things in formulas. So change equals discernment plus discovery plus determination. And if I'm being really nerdy, I might say change is D to the third power. So let's talk about each one of these things. Discernment. Discernment is simply the ability to recognize when a new way of doing something is necessary, either due to external forces beyond your control or due to internal reasons. And change can be reactional or intentional. Internal changes at work can be caused by many things, Perhaps the business is not performing like it should. You know, we're losing customers or revenue for the fifth year in a row, and we just cannot call it a fluke anymore. It's not turning around. Or spending is out of control and our cash is about to run out. Or maybe we violated a bank covenant and our line has been called. Maybe one of our products is failing or a disgruntled employee or customer has filed a lawsuit change can come with a new CEO or leadership team. Oftentimes in corporate America, it is a restructuring or an acquisition, and those are some really intense changes that happen in organizations. Uh, Perhaps it is just a new boss in your department. Technology change in the form of new system implementations and upgrades is one of the most disruptive and disliked change in organizations today. In my observation and experience, system changes can be some of the most terrifying that our teams face. And to be honest, it baffles me a lot of the time because I I, I just don't have this fear. I mean I I have plenty of other fears, but I can only surmise that it is rooted in fear. And our patterns of behavior and how we show up every day and process invoices or journal entries or customer orders or complaints or how we manage inventory, they it just becomes comfortable. They become as comfortable as those soft, out-of-style jeans that we insist on wearing on Saturdays because they feel good. I know exactly how they fit, and I've worn them so many times there are no surprises. And I think sometimes the way we work in our on our computers and the system, that we use just become familiar like that old pair of jeans. The list of potential changes is long, and these things can happen in companies that are new and old, large and small, public and private, and in every industry. And I'm sure you've experienced many of these and probably have some more good examples. Change can also be external. External. And can be forced on us. The economic crisis of 2008 seems so long ago now. I've actually been thinking a lot about it lately because 2020 has reminded me of a lot of things of, 20, or of 2008. But the economic crisis of 2008 was a great example of an outside force interrupting the direction and speed at which businesses were operating. I worked in the diamond industry at the time, and as a seller of luxury goods purchased with disposable income, we were one of the first industries hit hard and one of the last to recover. I remember at the time my ex-husband worked for a convenience store chain, and they were just fine. In fact, they flourished in 2008 and in 2009. They were an essential business, and in tough times, people shop more at convenience stores, apparently, believe it or not. But for those of us in a luxury goods business, you know, we had to deal with the fact that all those Wall Street professionals and hedge fund managers, all those people that had disposable income saw their 401ks and their retirement accounts suddenly vanish, and they were suddenly out of work, had no bonus to buy diamond studs or necklaces to make up for the fact that they worked 80 hours a week. It hit us hard and fast. I had to lay off two-thirds of our workforce in one day, try to keep the remaining skeleton crew focused and productive, and keep our doors open. We were in full-on crisis mode for more than a year, and we were forced to change quickly. Our very survival depended on it. At the time, I was fortunate enough to work on a team and work with some leaders who were very not only supportive, but man, they just showed me what it's like to hunker down and go to battle. And and that is exactly what we did. Every day was a battle of cash flow, of making payroll, of trying to figure out how to spread the money around to pay the vendors, all the debt we had accumulated before everything shut down. And like I said, the the leaders that I had at the time just were masters of this and just taught me so much about how to react to change that you didn't ask for, that you really didn't see was coming. And, you know, was really hard. But the way that they approached it and this battle mode that they got into really allowed us to survive it. I will be grateful forever for those lessons I learned in 2008. But it took me a long time to be able to look back and appreciate all of that because it it was very traumatic. And as I'm writing this particular chapter and this podcast about change, you know, like I said, it is New Year's Eve of 2020. And so we've been dealing with the COVID-19 crisis. And it's had us and the U.S. economy hostage all year or nine months. I mean, who thought it was going to last this long. But that COVID-19 shutdown that happened in March caused all of us to change immediately and radically. And, you know, I live in one of the states that took the shutdowns very seriously. I live in California. And none of us saw this coming. We did nothing to cause it. We can't change what's happening. And we can't control it or cure it, unless of course you're a scientist working on the vaccine. But it's changed everything. And I'm currently in the live events industry. So once again, I'm working in this industry that was the first to shut down in this crisis and will be the last to reopen. And this change that has been thrust on us, this pandemic, it's a great example of the loss that is associated with some change. And we're going to talk about that a little more later. But we've lost many things because of this pandemic people, jobs, income, a way of life. And we're all grieving in our own ways because of it. So the ability to discern is so important because. The longer you deny or avoid change that you know is coming, is already here, or that you know is necessary, the more dangerous and detrimental it is for you and your organization, and the harder it will be to ultimately affect change. Discovery is the second element of change, and for me, the most fun. Once you've come to terms with the fact that change is imminent, you need to discover the solution, the new and improved way of doing something. You need to forge a path. I chose the word discovery because I wanted to intentionally denote that as a leader, it is your job to find and uncover the solution. But that doesn't mean you must be the brilliant mind who creates it from scratch. As an authentic leader, I don't need to be the one with all the answers. I just need to be able to find the people that have them. The pressure isn't in having to think of everything. The challenge is making peace with that fact that you don't know everything and that it's okay for someone else to have the solution. We are miners working our way through the natural resources that surround us, panning for gold until we make the big discovery. Finally, determination is the superpower of change. You must have resolute willingness to persevere and push through and overcome all of the challenges that you will encounter because change is hard. Discernment and discovery are the easy and fun part of change, but determination is what puts change in action. Newton's first law of motion is that an object at rest stays at rest, and an object in motion stays in motion, continuing in the same direction and at the same speed until or unless another object with equal or greater force comes in its path. If we are the same as any other object in the universe, we are perfectly happy to keep doing what we're doing. We have a path, a routine. It's comfortable. It's known. It's predictable. Whether we are at rest or moving, as human beings, we would prefer to keep doing it uninterrupted. When change is introduced, it becomes the opposing object or force that is going to move us in a different direction or at a different speed, forcing us to change course or to start moving when we had been still. This takes more energy. Suddenly, we have to learn a new way to move forward, and we prefer the path of least resistance. If you've ever had a teenager, either as a parent, a step-parent, as an aunt or uncle or a friend, you are familiar with this phenomenon of the path of least resistance. And perhaps I'm not being fair to teenagers. Maybe it's an unfair analogy, but in my experience... Teenagers are the ultimate display of taking the path of least resistance, especially at home with their families. The thing is, they are usually, they're great people and wonderful human beings, and they can step up to any challenge, but they're not going to unless you require them to. Most teenagers that I've known do not voluntarily take the garbage out, but they will, and they'll do a fine job of it if you ask them to, usually umpteen times. And adults can be the same way. To be fair to teenagers, us adults can be the same way in certain areas. We have teenaged blind spots, too. But the thing is, it's really not our fault or our teenager's fault. It's physics. We also tend to associate change with loss, even though we aren't always aware that this is happening behind the scenes. But if you are requiring me to change what I was doing, you must be asking me to give up or surrender something. Perhaps it is my comfort or a tradition or even familiar dysfunction. Regardless of whether or not our current situation is working well for us, it is known. Change is unknown, and that makes us extremely uncomfortable and squirmy. Have you ever tried to change a process or system at work that was extremely cumbersome and manual and you were met with resistance? Your team was actually mad at you and you can't believe it because you just made life easier for them or so you thought. This new way is so much easier, but instead of slapping you on the back and saying, thanks, man, they glare at you and whisper behind your back. Like, who does he think he is? The third reason that change is hard and requires determination is because if you are asking me to change or I'm asking myself to change, we often jump to the conclusion that it must be because I was wrong. In order to accept change, I have to admit that what I was doing was no longer working, or perhaps it never really was a good idea and I just couldn't see it. And worst of all, it could be because you know more than me. Change requires humility and vulnerability. And both of these can be hard for us as human beings to stir up. It means owning the fact that we don't know everything. Sometimes we're wrong. And sometimes there's a better way. And that is hard, no matter who you are. And when someone approaches us with change, we go into defensive mode, man. We, we put up barricades and walls with our stubborn grip and refuse to let go because to let go would be to admit that we had failed. And that is scary. There's a really funny family story that every time we tell it, we just do that ugly gut laugh that makes tears stream down your face because it just cracks us up so much. And it happened more than 20 years ago. Some of my family was hanging out at a friend's place on the river. It was a hot, sticky and buggy July day. I think it was a Sunday afternoon. And so we all took turns cooling off in the water. Our friends had a Tarzan rope hanging from a tree on the riverbank, and we took turns getting a running start, jumping onto the rope, and swinging out over the river, doing our best jungle call, just like Tarzan. Of course, once you reached the middle of the river, you let go of the rope, plunged into the water, and swam out of the way of the next swinger. So now it was my dad's turn, and as we all stood by and watched, he got a running start, latched onto the rope, and swung out over the river. But he didn't let go when he was supposed to and swung back over the concrete pad where he had just launched. He still had enough momentum to swing back out over the river, so we weren't too concerned. We laughed and and yelled, you gotta let go, silly. And then we watched as he held on for the second time and came at us again, swinging back towards the riverbank. His eyes were big, his mouth was closed. I'm not sure what he was thinking, but he was holding on to that rope. He was still moving, but it was clear that the rope was slowing down and he was slipping lower and lower on the thing. Let go! Let go! Dad, let go of the rope! We kept saying, but he didn't. He came back in the last time swinging so low and slow on the rope that he scraped his shin and foot across the concrete and began to bleed. He gashed his leg wide open. Someone finally grabbed the rope this time and stopped the whole thing. Um, So that he wouldn't go back out again and hurt himself even more. And to this day, none of us know why he didn't let go. And he doesn't either. He was just hanging on for no good reason. And it ended up really hurting him, which is just kind of a funny analogy. And I think sometimes as human beings, we're like that. We hold on to things. Sometimes we don't even know why we're being so stubborn and resistant. But it's just part of our nature. So all three of these things, physics, physics. The sense of loss and the fact that we are wrong and what that means to our ego make change one of the hardest things for us and our teams. And that is why we need that force of determination. We, we need discernment, discovery, and determination. Change is also very personal for all of these reasons that we're talking about. It is so personal to us. Regardless of where the change is coming from or what is driving it, we take change personally. It just, think about this whole COVID thing. We know that the whole world is experiencing it, right? It's not even just nationwide. It is worldwide. And it's impacting everyone in some way, shape, or form. And yet, it feels very personal how it's impacted us, our families, our lives, right? Change is always like that. I heard a pastor say once in a sermon that, When change is necessary but fails to occur, a crisis will emerge. And if you think about just our American culture, historically, we've seen this happen in areas like civil rights, racial injustice, homelessness. You know, in a broad sense, we've been resistant to change in these areas. I'm not talking about you personally, but just in a broad sense... We've we've had a lot of change, but we've also been resistant to change, you know, holding on to that rope in these areas. And crises have emerged in the form of riots civil unrest that we're still dealing with and you know as one of the richest countries in the world we have some of our citizens we have men women and children floundering on the streets without shelter and a reliable source of food and care all of these social crises developed because change was necessary and failed to occur it is human nature to dislike change and to avoid it at all costs Regardless of human nature, change is a necessary reality, and without it, crisis will occur. Not just for us personally, but in our organizations. And not only do our teams need bold leaders to help them through the internal and external forces of change, it is one of the reasons you were hired or placed in a leadership position. As leaders, we are expected to affect change in our organization and within our teams. Leading an organization through change, whether it's positive or negative, will be one of the most challenging things you do as a leader. But it is also one of the most rewarding and one of the areas where you will learn the most and develop the most as a leader. Leaders affect change. Organizations hire leaders because they need us to affect change. Rosalind Carter said, a leader takes people where they want to go. A great leader takes people where they don't necessarily want to go, but ought to be. Thanks for navigating change with me. I really appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed this crossover event. As always, you can go to my website, com slash podcast, where you can listen to all the episodes of All There Is and Here to Lead. And you can also get in touch with me if you'd like. Thanks for reviewing and subscribing and sharing this podcast with your friends. I really appreciate it. Take care.